At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, it's free by the way, just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Kristen Nikodemski of The Dirt on Dirt to talk about her experience with the Grow-It-Yourself revolution. As the product manager for ArborJet and The Dirt on Dirt, Kristen divides her time between marketing, supporting, and developing products for the horticulture industry. From her early days helping her father in the yard, working for garden centers, and professionally managing consumer garden brands since 2010, Kristen brings a wealth of experience to the table. In her free time, Kristen is an avid indoor and outdoor gardener, artist, and foodie. She is a graduate of the Salve Regina University. Welcome to the show today, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Sure. Well, you know, basically growing up as a kid, I um, was always helping out my dad uh, in the yard and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and always had an interest for for plants. And eventually uh, I decided to uh, actually work for a garden center for a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was always kind of cool to be like, oh, I know what that plant is, you know, and I could name a certain perennial or I know all the annuals and, and it just kind of always piqued an interest for me. And then and then I had to go into school for art. So I was a painting uh, fine art major. And so I kind of always had an appreciation for my surroundings and and that sort of thing. So now that I've kind of come full circle here, uh, it, you know, it's been a great, you know, fun experience. And I'm, I'm glad to be back into kind of where I started from in the first place. Yeah. The other thing, too, is uh, my family, my mom's side of the family, has mm-hmm. an organic farm wow. uh, in Michigan. Uh-huh. And so it's been organic for, I believe, 40 years. So it's been organic before it was kind of a thing to be organic. Mm-hmm. And 
my grandfather basically saw the effects of uh, pesticides around his neighbors and, and, and whatnot and basically decided that he wanted to do something different. And so I've always grown up with an appreciation of, you know, where food comes from and the work that goes into that. Mm, right. And there's, you know, we would go up there for the summer and there was nothing better than, you know, going out to the garden, picking up, you know, picking some tomatoes or peppers or Swiss chard and going in and then eating that for dinner, you know. And so I've always had just an appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. And now that I get to do do some of that myself or at least, you know, help to influence or, or you know, you know be involved in that, uh, it's, it's been really great. Nice. Nice. It sounds like, so you, you were into gardening when you were younger. You took a, a respite in the middle and now you're back to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really what happened to me as well. I, in the seventies, I was gardening here in the desert Southwest and I got distracted with, you know, you had to grow up and go out and get a job and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I got into technology for about 20 years, but my hobby never went away. So mm-hmm. It, uh, it was nice in the early aughts. I guess that's what we're calling it now, right? The aughts. Right. Yeah. yeah. In the early aughts to get back to uh, this whole notion of gardening. What's your, what's your, what was your favorite memory of uh, gardening with your parents? Well, sometimes, you know, part of my gardening duties really were just mowing the lawn. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but actually one year I brought home some pansies. It's a uh-huh. little Johnny jump up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I planted them, and, and that was fine. And then the next year, they came back. I didn't had no idea, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, these are pretty. And they came back the next year all over the place. Oh, <laughs> my nice. My dad was like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, because they're in the yard. They're in the grass right. and stuff. And, and they, you know, of course, didn't come back to where they were previously. They were everywhere else but where I planted them. <laughs> you know, and but it was it was fun to see that. It was kind of one of my first, I think, kind of experiences with uh, something kind of funny like that. Yeah. Now, you know, I love those volunteers. I uh, often will <laughs> let things go to seed here at the urban farm and let them volunteer the next year. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, it makes, it makes the job a lot easier, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too. It's like I'm always sometimes afraid to do weeding too early. Oh, yeah. Because I don't, yeah, I don't want to pull out anything that that could be something that's coming back. Right. Exactly. Kind of forget about that until yeah. you're in there and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, you want to get in it and get it done. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, what if this is, right. you know, a Snapdragon or something? Right. So. You know, I'm, I make it a rule in my yard not to pull a weed unless I know what it is. Yeah. You know, because uh, I had, the, I, you know, I broke that rule recently and I, uh, thought I had a weed growing in the yard and I ended up digging it out and it was an avocado coming up. Go figure. Oh my from a goodness. pit. I know, right? <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. Bummer. So Well, that's the cool thing about being in in uh in Arizona though too is that you have a much longer growing season and opportunity yeah. to, to get some different plants out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, we have, you know, interestingly enough, the hardest time to grow here in Arizona is uh July, August and September. Because it's just okay, too it's dang hot. Too hot. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the year, it, you know, it's like bring it on. Things yeah. grow like <laughs> mad. So, and yeah. where are you? Where Where are you at? So I'm in Massachusetts, actually uh, in a suburb of the Boston area. On um, uh, that's where, uh, where you know the company's located. Uh-huh. And but yeah, we've actually had a, a really bizarre summer and mm. uh, you know much different summer and fall this year. Our summer actually was really really dry. 
um, which was great for, you know, every weekend was just absolutely beautiful. And right. it wasn't super hot. And usually we get really hot and humid. Uh-huh. And it just kind of gets gross. Uh, we didn't really have very many of those days. So it was great for if you were, you know, active and going outside and doing things. But it wasn't so good for, for watering and, uh, you know, the, oh, the right. garden. So, yeah, so I had to be, you know, I had to be pretty careful. I was definitely, you know, the lawn, we just let that go brown. Mm-hmm. And um, I focused on a couple of my, you know, my more key, my key plants that I, you know, wanted to keep alive. But it was, you know, I'd be out there watering, like, right to the base of the the plant, uh-huh. you know, so I don't get water everywhere. Yeah, and I'd be out there, you know, in the evening and stuff, watering. And but it was, it's nice to have people walking by, and, and they'd say, "Oh, you're, you know, it looks wonderful." <laughs> so, so that was so, always good. I had some some support in that, but yeah, yeah so be it, careful. It, interesting thought. So here in Arizona, we we have everything on sprinklers, on drip line, on drip tape, on bubblers. So if we're planting something in a landscape here, we've got to bring water to it. And it never occurred to me until just this moment that if you were someplace that got rain all the time, you wouldn't have to do that. Right. So, you know, this is actually, I'm technically, I'm renting right now. Uh-huh. Um, and luckily my landlord, we have a, a decent amount of yard and he lets me kind of just do whatever I want. Oh, uh, nice. Um, yeah, which is good because he doesn't know anything about it. He's like, yeah, just, you know, just make it colorful. I'm like, okay, I'm on Ooh, it. Cool. But, um, so, you know, I have that freedom, but at the same time, I, yeah, we weren't equipped with any, any kind of drip, uh, watering. Um, I basically, you know, we don't have any of those wa- necessary water saving type yeah. of, um, setups because yeah, usually in the summer we get, we get plenty of rain yeah. so this year. It was quite different. And, uh, I've already started looking at some things I can do for next year, soaker hoses and some things like right. that. And actually in like a rain barrel, Ooh. uh, for when we do get rain, yeah. uh, I'm trying to see if we can set up some stuff for next year. Cool. I like that. I like that future planning thought process you're going through. Yay. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's I, I'm still doing some stuff in my garden because it's we've been unseasonally warm still. Yeah. But it so yeah. It, now's the, actually a perfect time to start thinking about next year's garden. Yes. Because while I'm in there, I can go. Oh, you know what? This didn't work. Oh, I'm cleaning something out, or this didn't work out so well, or you know, just kind of thinking about. Um, fertilizing the soil um, oh, yeah. or adding compost and stuff. Now's mm-hmm. a great time to go and do that while I'm cleaning everything up. Right. Yeah. So exactly. I need to think about, okay, well, what am I going to plant here next year? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Well, and given that, let's talk about the dirt on dirt community. Uh, yeah. This is a project by ArborJet and a brainchild by you and who? Uh, yeah. By myself, we've got uh, a horticulturist on staff. And his name is Matt Andrus, and then he helps run our greenhouse and, and do some of our research studies. Nice. And he's kind of my go-to, you know, hey, what's going on here, Matt? And then I also, it also came about through actually a graphic design firm that we work with that helps us on a lot of our marketing. All right. You know, he's he's a homeowner and, and just kind of helping, was helping me think about some things that we could do to talk about our products and, and um, engage, you know, in a community. And that's kind of where this stemmed from. It, part nice. of it, too, was we were doing some research on, you know, the, the gardening community right now, like who's gardening. Right. And we, we realized that 5 million of the 6 million new gardening households in 2015 uh-huh. were millennials. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a huge group of, wow. of gardeners right now that are coming into the, into the market. Yeah. And 
a millennial. I mean, I'm technically I am one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the other end of it where I, I still remember using a, a dial-up phone. You know? <laughs> right. This this group right now, um, you know, we're really involved in social media and using the internet. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to be a resource for people. Um, I mean, regardless of the, their age, but you know, we wanted to be a resource and uh, and a community. And so I think this is a great opportunity to do that while while we have this this new group of gardeners. Oh, and time. they're not just like a new group of gardeners. They're a group that's been very aware of of living a more sustainable lifestyle and so it really um just kind of matches up really well with what we're doing yeah cool so what is the dirt on dirt community yeah so the dirt on dirt it's it's a place where we basically engage we try to encourage um content around gardening Mm -hmm. whether it's specific to our products or not i mean some of it's just like uh, you know, talking about what blossom end rot is, or some fall gardening tips, and you know, just seeing what people are doing, what kinds of problems people have. There's there's um, a blogger that we've been friendly with who she just put together some like five things that she did wrong, <laughs> you know, right? And just you know, it's like it's okay to make these mistakes, and uh, so just basically trying to talk about gardening, and and you know, be a resource for for people. Um, as well as just have some really like beautiful content on there too. So we've got some really beautiful images, um, some things that you know either we've taken ourselves or we've found um, that just I think just makes you feel good about you know gardening and mm-hmm. what you're doing and and you know just trying to encourage that sustainable lifestyle. Nice. So it's and it's, actually trying to get dirty a little bit. Right. So exactly. I, I kind of forget about this, but. One of the things we looked at was this this, this group of women right now that have been calling themselves Dirty Girl Gardeners. And so I'm like, I'm on board. <laughs> and basically, it's, it's just these are people who want to you know be growing their own food or at least provide uh, food and um, resources for their families. Right. And aren't afraid to get a little dirty <laughs> and, you know, and let their kids get out there with them and, mm-hmm. and learn about, you know, where their food's coming from and, uh, you know, how, how the you know, plants, what they need to grow and all that kind of stuff. So we're encouraging people to get dirty with us. And so that's that's part of it as well. Yeah. So why the dirt on dirt? And we joke about this because a lot of people who are really into soil mm-hmm. don't like to stay dirt. Right. You know, and so we we kind of we we were a little concerned about that a little bit, but we wanted to to at least kind of put the focus on the dirt, on you know, on our soil, uh, because that's really if you need to nurture that uh, before you can really have a, a you know healthy plant, um, and so that's where everything comes from. You know, yeah. that's that's the source, and and there's a lot going on in there that we still there's still scientists that don't. Are still learning so much about it, um, yeah. and so that's that's kind of where everything stems from. That's where mm-hmm. we go back to, right? In the end, yeah. So um, it's it's part of the whole cycle of life, and and it's um, you know really kind of where we we need to start. Yeah. So why is dirt so important? T- talk to me about that. And and then here's actually there's a two part question. Um, why don't people like calling it dirt? Let's start there. Yeah, I think dirt kind of gets a negative connotation. Yeah. You know, oh, it's dirty. It's, you know, we're always, there's so many things out there about being clean. Yeah. You know, I actually, 
uh, yeah, even just like the whole antibacterial soap, right. you know, and, um, so I, I think it's just gotten a, a negative term and we're trying to reverse that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and play off of getting dirty and, and yeah. having fun with it. Um, because yeah, it be, the reason it's so important is because that's where, um, that's where all the microbiology is. Right. And so the microbiology is needed to help um, either form a symbiotic relationship with the uh, the roots, like the mycorrhizae mm-hmm. will do, mm-hmm. um, or it's there to help break down the components so that the essential elements are available to the plants. Yeah. And, you know, generally they really just need three things, which is the nitrogen, um, phosphorus, and potassium. But there's all, th- there's all these other things too, like iron and magnesium, that are really important to a plant's you know, being having vigorous uh, leaves or being green or even just the, the balance of that affects, you know, when a plant is going to start to fruit and flower and that sort of thing. Right. So um, all those components are in the soil and they're pretty much already there. Mm-hmm. So really what you just need to do is just kind of just keep all that active and boost it and, um, and then continue to um, nurture it. Perfect. I, I, I consider dirt one component of healthy soil. Mm-hmm. You want right. to play a little game? Okay. <laughs> so I say, I say there's five components to healthy soil. Okay. Dirt, which is where the micronutrients are at, and it's really needed. You mentioned a second one, the mycorrhiza and the life in the soil. What are the other three? You want to, you want to try and take a guess? Putting you on this, putting you on the spot here. I know. Oh, geez. What would all right? Let, let's let's address it from another direction. What are you, what okay. are your what's your view on what healthy components of healthy soil are? I think. Well, I think it's it's the soil having life in it. Yeah, um, life is and, absolutely a big piece of it. Yeah. So if that's not there, if you have a sterilized soil, then it's it's not really going to do anything for you. It's right. just kind of a a carrier to help hold things in place. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, with that, you also need to have uh, some airspace in your soil. Exactly. Uh, and Perfect. Uh, as well as water, of course. Yep, so, exactly. Um, so a good soil allows for um, those things to, to be there and in a, in a balance. Yeah. Um, but Perfect. You, you were, yeah, you were, you, were, you were dead on. And then organic matter. Okay, yeah, okay. So, you know, there's dirt. So here's what I say. I say there are five components of healthy soil. It's dirt, organic matter, everything that's alive in the soil, airspace, and water. And when we get a nice balance of that, we get nice, healthy plants that make nice, healthy food for us to eat. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and and I think you're right about, you know, people, dirt gets walked on and, you know, metaphorically and so on and so on. So, So what are Arbor Jet's new natural and organic products that home gardeners can use in their, oh, I love this term, G-I-Y gardening? So tell us what G-I-Y is. So grow it yourself. Uh-huh. Um, and we actually also have another term we've uh, been playing with is G-Y-O, so grow your own. And so that's another kind of way of looking at it. Basically, knowing that you can, even just starting with some herbs mm-hmm. um, and a windowsill, Yeah to, you know, having a whole plot of tomatoes, um, you, you can you can grow your own food and do it in a way that is has a natural approach. You know, organic is always 
I think, a great way to start. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes, sometimes some things are there's things can be organic without being certified. Right. And so I just want to stress that Omri, for instance, is like it's the best I think certification yeah. of organic standards. And OMRI stands for Organic Material Review Institute, mm-hmm. and so that's what we always we always try to you know have for our standard for organic. Oh, nice! Um, and then right now, as a saw, um, it's one of our products. There is organic. However, our other products right now do not have that certification mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. Um, one, it's extremely expensive. Right. Um, and two, on a couple of the products, I'm still working on. I might have some label changes to make on them Mm -hmm. because we also try to have everything made in a way that um, the states will recognize. Oh, right. Uh, So then, so there's certain things that I need to do on a label to say it a certain way or, or list an ingredient a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so um, certain states want you to do different things. Right. So we're working that out, some of those details still, but, you know, basically I, and I don't want to go to Omri and have, you know, spend all the money and then have to change it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but basically the approach is, is to have something that's as organic as possible um, and can be used easily. Um, yeah. And so one of those products, that I'll, I'll go back to Azosol, is extremely unique, but it's a, a an ingredient that a lot of people may be familiar with in organic gardening, uh-huh. and that's Azosol. So Azosol is a neem-based product. So that's N-E-E-M. Neem like the tree. Um, neem like the tree. Yeah, great. And so typically, you've many people have seen and used neem as an oil, in an right. oil form. Mm-hmm. And what's great about the oil is you get a smothering effect. So it will, you know, smother an insect um, or even sometimes a, a like a disease spore and and prevent that, you know, basically it suffocates. Yeah. Whereas azosol is actually a water-soluble powder. Oh. And so because it's a powder and completely water-soluble, it doesn't actually um, give you that smothering effect. Mm-hmm. But the way it works is it as an insect growth regulator. So it actually stops the insects from, um, from feeding and from going to their ah, next stage of life. Right. And then their eggs don't come to term if they do. So right. um, it's not a, it's, it's an integrated approach mm-hmm. to an organic um, gardening. So if the bugs are already there and they're killing your plant, you might need something, um, you know, as well with the azosol. You might need to use like a soap or oh, an right. oil-based mm-hmm. um, product to kind of get that smothering effect. But what's cool about azosol is it, it actually um, stops that next generation nice. from happening. Based on yeah, the, so, b- based on a neem tree. Yes. God, so it is. And neem is amazing. It's really um, quite amazing. People use neem for all sorts of things all mm-hmm. over the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I've talked to people who who use the the neem branches and they chew on it, kind of like right. it's like a toothpaste. Yep. <laughs> you know. And yeah. There's neem teas, and so it's it's a really there's all sorts of compounds in in neem, and the one that we use for insect control is is called azadiractin. And so you want to look for an azadiractin um, percentage in a neem product, and then that's that's the one you know will help ah. with giving you an insect growth regulator um, activity. Azadiractin. Yep, azadiractin. Wow, 
cool. I learned something new so, today. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of different neem products out there. And if it just says neem oil, then you're, the way it's like primarily working is as a repellent and, and smothering. Mm. Um, if it doesn't have as a directin in it, then it's not necessarily going to do some of those other uh-huh. um, components. Nice. Nice. Any other products you want to talk about? Yeah, please, please. Um, so two two products that are a little bit easier to talk about uh-huh. are... Um, By the way, hold Plus. on. I want, to, I want to stop you real quick. Um, sure. Great job on educating us about azadiractin and neem. That was... Uh, thank you for that because I learned some oh, stuff. Oh, that was good? It wasn't yeah. too much? No, no, no. Okay, you were, it was good. That was great. Are you kidding? Okay, good. So other products. Okay, so other, two other products that are a little easier to talk about are Ecomite Plus and EcoPM. So Ecomite Plus is one of our botanical insecticides, and uh-huh. as well as a miticide. Uh-huh. Um, and so anytime you put side at the end of something, it sounds a little scary. Right. But basically what that means is that it's going to control in, uh, some sort of pest. And so and with Ecomite Plus... Um, it's going to work on mites. It will work on mealybugs, aphids, um, basically any of those kind of soft-bodied insects mm-hmm. that are, are kind of hanging out on the outside of your plant. So this is strictly a contact product. Right. Um, and so it's made of rosemary, oh, uh, nice. rosemary extract, rosemary oil, mm-hmm. peppermint oil, and cottonseed oil. So you get the oils where you get that smothering effect. And, but what's cool about it is with the extract in there, uh-huh. it helps us get really high active ingredients, and we make the extract ourselves. So nice. in that process, we use an alcohol-based, like an isopropyl something. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it, it helps to dehydrate the insect as well. So, um, and it also makes it so that you don't have this like lasting residue on the leaf surface. So if you need to spray either, you know, in the sunlight during uh-huh. the day right. or if you're doing um, like an indoor growing and you have lights on, you can spray without worrying about burning the, the plant tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have, if you have like a soap, you've got the lens kind of thing going, you can burn that spot. Right. Even just, I mean, water can sometimes burn your plant. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's that same idea, but we reduce a lot of that because it spreads out along the leaf surface and evaporates quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it smells really good. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. And uh, it's know, natural. Yeah, it's natural. Right, exactly. So uh, one of the actually did Facebook Live event recently uh-huh. with a friend. Uh, in, she has a farm in, here in Massachusetts, and we were talking about the Ecomite Plus, and she goes, you know, what's really great about this is I can actually read all these ingredients. Yes. And so I think that's also something to kind of look for, you know, when you're, when you're looking for products is, do I know what this is? Or do I, kinda, do I have an idea, you know? Can I, can I generally read this? Right. So that's something to look for. Um, and then Eco-PM is our, our fungicide. So basically, PM... It's not for nighttime. It stands for um, powdery mildew. Oh, so, right. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, just to clarify that confusion, that was something that was uh, a name that was put in place before I got on board. Mm-hmm. So I was like, guys, what is PM? <laughs> like nighttime? Yeah. So um, that was meant to just kind of shorten up for powdery mildew. Right. 
Um, but it also works on like black spot. So black spot is really common on um, mm-hmm. roses, for instance. Right. And some of your you know typical uh, other you know fungus type yeah. issues that you might have. Um, but powdery mildew is a pretty big one. It's pretty common across the whole country. Yeah. Um, except and, in except in those places that it's really dry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But even that, actually, I've been surprised by some of that, too. Like, I, I don't know if it just maybe has to do with the application of whether you water or something like that, or if you, just get, you still get some humidity in the air. Yeah. Because you can be humid without having a whole lot of rain. Right, um, exactly. So, you know, it's, powdery mildew, it, it really um, can sneak up on you. It happened to me this summer, actually. I was mm-hmm. traveling a lot for work, and I hadn't had a chance to, you know, to treat my plants regularly. And so I ended up getting powdery mildew on a couple of things. And it's tricky because once it's there, it's pretty much there. It's, yeah, so it's you can suppress. Yeah, and, and you can suppress it, though. So, like, a couple of my more hardy plants, um, I was actually pretty happy. My, my standing flocks this year did get some powdery mildew but never actually died. I actually still have some, right. like, standing up pretty good. So I was able to, even though I, I still got some powdery mildew, because I was unable to do some preventative sprays like I would have liked to, mm-hmm. um, I was able to suppress what was there um, and basically kind of smothering the, the spores and mm. keeping them from, from spreading. Nice. And did you use your, yeah. use your product? Yes, yes, EcoPM. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So that, that one's really nice. And once again, it smells really great because it's thyme extract and thyme oil uh-huh. and clove oil. So, uh, once again, like really nice smelling, um, works really nicely. And um, we have those in both a ready to use. So, something that you can just buy the bottle and spray. Uh-huh. Or if you want to mix your own solutions up, you yeah. can do that too. So, we have concentrates. So, if you have maybe a larger garden space that you need to take care of, um, we have that option. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Where do we find those products at? So, those are available at the Dirt on Dirt. Oh. Um, as well as your local garden center. Um, so we are still fairly new. It's, you know, it's been a couple of years, but when we've been in the market, um, but they're still pretty new in that sense where nationally being distributed at garden centers, uh, we still have some states that we're working on. Yeah. So if your garden center does not have it, ask that they bring it in. And if, if that's still not working, then you can come to the Dirt on Dirt. Um, we're go. actually offering a, a promo code right now uh, exclusive for you guys here oh, listening. Yay! And Thank it, you. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, so ten percent off your first purchase. Uh-huh. And it's Urban Ten, so the number uh, ten. Perfect. It's thedirtondirt.com. Thedirtondirt.com. So, Kristen, thank you so much for all that great information. And I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that fairy, and what you might have learned from it. Ooh, tricky question. Okay, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I try to, I always feel like I don't really necessarily fail, but I definitely make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in terms of learning from them, that's the key, right? So one of the things that uh, I've done, I tend to do every year is I don't start small. I always tend to <laughs> go for it, and then I'm and then I end up either ha- you know having plants that don't make it, or um, you know I have to to spread things around, and then everything's crowded. And so uh, you know I think the one of the things I've, I've I may have not necessarily learned because I do it you know time and time again, but uh-huh. is you know start small because yeah. uh, you know I 
I don't have to plant every single seed that I have. <laughs> oh, yes, <you> we know? <laughs> do. <laughs> so, and uh, the other thing, too, is is to kind of, um, you know, there's like a gut feeling on things, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. so as much as, you know, like this year, for instance, um, I knew I was planting a little bit too early. I, I did some started some seeds indoors, mm, and I, I, right. I was like, you know, I'm, this is a little early, but it's a nice day, so I'm going to do it. And really, I shouldn't have because I should have waited another two weeks because we ended yeah. up getting, you know, frost into, um, I think, the beginning of May. So uh, I had to keep waiting to yeah. put the plants out, and then a couple of them just, you know, didn't do well, and then I didn't water them, and, you know, what a mess. So yeah, well, I should have waited. Yeah, well, and here's the place where we experiment because the other side of that is because if it was beautiful for those two weeks, then you would have had thriving plants. That's true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. It, you know, it's always, especially for our listeners out there, especially at the beginning of the season when things are starting to warm up, it's always, uh, you know, you're playing a game here. And, um, yeah. you know, this last year we didn't get a freeze, so I literally could have planted my tomatoes in January and, and been harvesting tomatoes by you know, March 15th this mm-hmm. past year. And, you know, so, and, you know, so it's, it's a game where we experiment. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and all that, I guess there's always succession planting as well. So, right. You know, you put out a few crops and then something happens. Well, you know, be ready to, you can always come back and do more. Yeah. And so that's something I, I need to make. All right. So tell well. us more about that, that, that term, because uh, some of our listeners might not have heard it. Succession planting. Yes. So basically, you know, say April, I go out and I, I put out um, a bunch of plants. Mm-hmm. Certain things, one, like maybe lettuce, for instance, uh, once that starts to, to be able to be harvested, it's good to be able to, plant, you know, go back and also have some plants ready to put into the ground. Right. Um, or at least seeds, that's fine too. But be consider, you know, consider that uh, it, if you want to have when you're harvesting all season long, right. then you should be planting things at different times. Yeah, maybe every two weeks or – and I guess it depends on the crop too. Yeah, the crop and, and how much you know space you have, I guess, too. Yeah. But, I mean, the other thing too, like lettuce, for instance, is something that once it starts to get warm, it can bolt. It can right. go to seed go really to seed. quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, if you don't have another – you know, some more lettuce growing, then you're not going to have lettuce until, you know, for another couple of weeks. Right. Um, so yeah. something to something to consider. Yeah, exactly. uh, it depends on yeah, it depends on the type of crop in terms of how quickly it grows and you know when you would actually be harvesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, great great place to look. I love succession planting. So yeah, what, what do you consider your biggest success? Well, you know what? Even though I'm not doing this anymore, and it was one of those things that I uh, you know detoured on was the my art. Some of my art background. Mm. Um, so after graduating, you know, there's always that time of like, what am I going to do with my life? Oh, yeah. And uh, and so I was able to, I was in a situation where I was able to actually um, work at and basically have my own art gallery space. Um, I shared it with other people, but they were never there. So right. it basically became mine. And, you know, that was a really interesting kind of fun time for me where I had a chance to, to kind of do my own thing and, and interact with, with new people and sell some paintings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's always some interesting, just nice verification there of, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. And, well, it's kind of the same idea with gardening. I mean, there's nothing better than harvesting your own food. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that work you put in, 
you know, there's there's something there um, tangible in your hand. Yeah. And so that's I maybe that's why I, I <laughs> enjoy art as well as gardening. Is, right. You, know, you, you can look at back at it and go, wow, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. So what drives you? Well, on that note, actually, <laughs> that kind of that kind of goes in uh, nicely together. Um, now that I think about it, uh-huh. yeah, I really liked. I like progress. I like being able to to look back, stand back, and go, okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's something I did. And and I can be a perfectionist at times, mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's good for me to stand back and go, okay, well, yeah, maybe that didn't go right or you know, this took longer than you thought, but you got it done. And so I think that's, that's um, a big driving factor for yeah. me. The accomplishment piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, uh, you know, I think the main thing is, is the soil. Uh, you mm. know, I actually didn't talk too much about our products on that front. Um, well, let's do it. But, we got a couple you minutes know, real here. quick. You know, uh, something to think about is uh, we've got two two other products that we apply to the soil, uh-huh. Arbor Char, and we've got a line of three products of that, Arbor Char All-Purpose, uh-huh. Fruit, Flower, and Fruit, and Summer Stress, and those um, include biochar in them. Oh, and so yeah. we were talking before about the airspace, the water, uh, and the life in your right. soil, right? Mm-hmm. And biochar actually helps to either provide that or... Um, create an environment where those things can can be so right. biochar can hold 10 times its weight in water wow it's basically a, a burnt carbon material mm-hmm. um and and it's burnt in a way that it's in low oxygen and so what happens is you're left with this extremely porous carbon mm-hmm. and so with that porosity you can hold water um you can you know have airspace. Um, it kind of creates a like a home for microbiology, right? Um, and so, so now you've got uh, you know a, a a better soil structure and um, a better environment for the life to thrive in your soil, right? Um, and so, with the biochar, we've also added in some other things to that, including organic matter. And so, with the organic matter, you're also now feeding the the, the life in the soil. Mm, there you um, go. And eventually, feeding your plants. So, Beautiful. So, um, yeah, Arbitar. And then the last one is Nutroot, just real quick. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a water management product as well as a fertilizer. Oh. It also, um, so it has um, some nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, all that stuff we were talking about. Right. As well as, it also has humic acid and kelp. And kelp, uh, you know, as you may, everyone may know, it's one of those things that is really beneficial to, to soil mm-hmm. um, in terms of, once again, the biology as well as there's a, a hormone in kelp that's known to, to help uh, promote root growth. Oh. So they're called cytokin- cytokinans. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits of kelp. So the Nutroot has humic acid, kelp, nutrients, as well as something called a humectant. And the humectants actually um, draw water uh, out of the air and turn them into a liquid. Kind of a crazy concept. Wow. But it's re- they're really cool. They're, humectants uh-huh. are in cake. They're in food. They're, it's kind of like a salt. If you think about like you're leaving your salt out on, mm-hmm. you know, on a humid day or something like that, uh, eventually mm. it's going to kind of uh, start Take to, up. yeah, 
And so it's that so it's a, kind of that same concept, except it's taking the the particles that are in the air, the water particles in the air, mm-hmm. and bringing them into the root zone, and and basically coating the roots with it. Um, wow. And so it's really good if you're in a situation where you know you need you need help uh, to reduce your watering. Uh-huh. It's also in general, even if you don't need help with with water management, it helps keep that soil environment. Keep, helps keep the water in the soil. Yeah. And so when you have really dry soil, and if you if you go to like a sponge, for instance, right. when it's really dry, and you add water to it at first, the water rolls off. Right. It takes a moment for it to get absorbed, and so it helps prevent that runoff, so that when you do have water available, it's going to um, get absorbed into the soil. Wow. Lots of stuff. No kidding. <laughs> All right. So let me go back to your question. Final piece of advice: build healthy soil. Build healthy soil, because if you have healthy soil, then you'll have healthy plants, healthy, happy plants. And, you know, don't don't be afraid to get dirty. <laughs> there we go. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Kristen. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Yes, you too. Thank you so much. Great questions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, these are fun. I get to learn, you know. Yeah. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Where, the website and the promo code. Let's go yes. over that real quick. Okay, the website is thedirtondirt.com. Mm-hmm. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Pinterest, and Twitter. Oh, so for all those you know, millennials. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, and actually, I'm going to be trying to do some more Facebook Live events oh. coming up. Um, you know, they were a lot of fun. And uh, just, you know, the first one I did recently was was too long but we're going to try to shorten them just do quick little tips and some fun things and yeah. you guys can kind of check out what i have going on in the garden and that kind of stuff cool um, and so we'll be doing those and then uh if you'd like to try any of our products uh you can get 10 percent off your first purchase if you use the code urban 10 so u-r-b-a-n 10 uh for 10 percent off okay and, uh, yeah, and that's at thedirtondirt.com. Perfect. Or go to your local garden center. There you go, and ask them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, it's free by the way, just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.
One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.